Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. And so you say you want the revolution. Well, this is what it looks like. Welcome to the revolution. And I don't mean the show. I mean the United States in 2021. You are living it. How do you feel? Good? Well, thanks for being here this morning. Just after 7 o'clock, my name is Ryan Wiggins. This is Wiggins America. And some historical perspective is always a good thing. We've had it pretty easy here in the United States. Nobody really ever had to fight for anything in the last, I don't know, couple generations, you know? I mean, we fought Cold Wars, but uh, our hot wars have been very different. We've only fought a couple of Middle Eastern wars that were, you know, we weren't going to lose. They were big wars. We had a war on terrorism. But we're facing wars now that are, <clears throat> don't want to say unprecedented. We've been this divided before. We've had a civil war, but man, were we looking different than we have in a number of years. I hope it doesn't devolve into actual war. I just, <laughs> seems like a weird thing to say. Like, yeah, Ryan, me too. I hope we don't actually start another civil war. Yeah, me too. I'm on board. So we're all on the same train then. <laughs> so good morning to you. Uh, I promised that we were going to get to some things this hour, and we will. But just a little plug for WigginsAmerica.com if you want some content. Uh, we, you know, I kind of filter out what I think is important. I write things there. We've got some CDC stuff there from a few weeks ago. And it's funny, like, you know, I report on these things, and it's like they just go away. Like, oh, yeah, we reported on it. Now you know, and now we move on because the legacy media, as we talked about in the last segment, controls the narrative, and they decide kind of how we live, don't they? 
That's why I call it the media-run state that we live in of America in 2021. But many, many people are waking up to that fact. And I don't just mean you. You've been awake to that fact. I mean the people who don't listen to politics or political talk radio or engage in political discussion much are waking up because it is infiltrating every single part of their life. Yes, I'm talking about COVID. Yes, I'm talking about masks and mandates and your kids and so on and so forth and your job and supply lines and people working and people not working and government money. All of this is affecting our daily lives now and our purchasing power and the way that we live. And I promised in this segment we would get to what Democrats were saying last year about vaccines. You probably remember it. But time moves by so fast that we forget. Well, I found a little montage of clips of a few different Democrats saying some things about the way they felt about vaccines. Let me set this up so you know who you're listening to as we hear it. This is Andrew Cuomo, and it comes back to these people several times. Andrew Cuomo, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, you'll recognize their voices. Ilhan Omar, you will not recognize as well, but she's in there. And then a doctor on CNN. Here we go. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine, and they should be. We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a vaccine that might cause harm to us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. Let's just say there is a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well. I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. Is the vaccine safe? Uh, Frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. And I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. Would you trust that vaccine? There's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. Oh, how times change. These people don't have any sort of objective beliefs. They believe in power. When they're in power, everything they do is good. And when they're not in power, everything the other side is doing is bad. That is not good thinking. I hope that we don't think that way. There is objective right. There is objective wrong. And we like to approach everything and saying, what is right regardless of who's doing it? It's just that the conclusions that we come to is that 98% of the time, the left is objectively doing things that are bad and don't end well. And then maybe 70% of the time, Republicans are doing things that should. But that's probably being generous because there's a lot of Republicans who are in it for themselves. They call them rhinos, Republican in name only. But honestly, it's just people who are selfish, people who are looking out for their own political career, people who are looking out for their own money, and they fundraise more than they do work, and they do not put other people first. Because that's really what it is. You're a public servant. Servant means you put others ahead of yourself. We've lost that in America. There are still some very, very good people who do that. There are probably some Democrats that do that. I think there are definitely more Republicans doing that who objectively look and say, I don't want to do this for myself. 
used to say that Bernie Sanders might have even been one of those guys. Emphasis on the word used to. That guy's gotten very, very wealthy since he ran for president in 2016. He was very willing to back off when they told him to back off because he was ruffling too many feathers. Now he's got many more houses than he used to. People like that are gross. They don't really stand for anything. You, they pretend that they do, but when the when push comes to shove, they take the paycheck and they run. And then they try to spend your money, in his case, <clears throat> by the way. So anyway, back to these clips. Here's the people that we're going to listen to in this part of the montage. This is the second part. This is the, the, the end. This is Patty Murray. She's a Democrat congresswoman. Again, Andrew Cuomo, Biden. Andrew Cuomo again. Kamala Harris. You have George Stephanopoulos in there. And then Senator Tina Smith from Minnesota. Check this out. We cannot take for granted this process will be free of political influence. I don't trust the president, and I don't trust the FDA. If Donald Trump can't give answers and his administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. You're going to say to the American people now, here's a vaccine, it was new, it was done quickly, but trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe? I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. Hey, how confident are you in the approval process of the FDA right now? How confident am I? Uh, I'm not that confident. Yes, I would be hesitant, but I'm going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. You've got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus this is a safe vaccine. What I'm worried about is that there's some sort of October surprise and that there is a pressure put on the decision makers here to announce the vaccine in October of 2020. We're going to put together our own group of doctors and medical experts to review the vaccine and the efficacy and the protocol. And if they say it's safe, then I'll go to the people of New York and I will say it's safe. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Once again, that is just last year. These are prominent Democrats asking the question, why would we trust something that's come out so fast? If you had any sort of objective beliefs, you would still believe that. But they believe, they honestly believe that once they got into power, that they could manipulate the process. They were concerned, I guess, somehow. <laughs> I, I don't Tell me how this works. That Donald Trump was manipulating the CDC or the NIH or the FDA to get the vaccine out faster, and they didn't trust that. What's amazing is those are the very organizations that basically were working against him the whole time. They hated him. They had a name. Trump had a name for these things. He called them the swamp. They notoriously didn't work with him. Yet, all of these politicians just assumed that because because of the way I understand power and the way I wield power, I would go talk to the NIH and the FDA and the CDC and tell them, you report this. So Trump must be doing that. You get it? They pro- they're projecting what they would do onto other people that were currently in power. This is what I would do, so that must be what he's doing. Well, he didn't do any of that. He couldn't get past those people. Those people were alligators taking out planks of his ship the whole time he was sailing. And he knew it was happening, 
but I think his recourse was to uh, run in 2024. <laughs> and I say that in the past tense, even though it's still ahead. If you don't think he's running in 2024, I see memes. I see lots of people saying DeSantis 2024. Love you. Love you. Would love to see that. It's not going to happen. It's going to be Trump. Will he win in 2024? I guess that depends on who he's running against. Getting a little off subject here, but if it's Kamala Harris, you're going to see four more years of a Trump presidency. If it's Joe Biden, you're going to see four more years. If it's somebody else, then we don't know. I don't know who they really have on their bench. You know, a lot of people have said, (laughs) by the way, and this is also a rumor, that Trump is not going to pick Mike Pence to run uh, as his running mate again. And I believe that. I believe that he will not pick Mike Pence. Who will he pick then? People are floating Mike Pompeo. People are floating Tim Scott, Christy Noem. I can maybe see Mike Pompeo. I don't see the rest of them. Nikki Haley, you know, some of these names. I don't, I don't see it. Tulsi Gabbard, people float that name. She's not conservative enough. She has the right credentials. Um, she's saying the right things about, uh, you know, deep state, you know, the way the government's run and how involved it is in your life. She's saying that's kind of stuff. And she really hammers race baiting. She can't stand when people use race as a tool for political ends and for power ends. And uh, she's willing to call it out. And she, she's saying a lot, of the, a lot of good stuff that for a Democrat is like, hey, welcome to the party. Um, which, like we said, it's all about being objective, right? I don't care that she's a Democrat. When she says something right, it's right. But she also really believes in a lot of like big, big government spending and stuff. And uh, that's that's not who you want as your running mate when you're Trump. Um, he, I'm sure he thinks about, well, what would they? What, <laughs> would somebody take me out to get to a vice president? And in that sense, Pence was really good. Tulsi wouldn't be good for that. Um, I think she should run. As I ramble here, I think she should run for Senate in Hawaii. That would be awesome if you had a because Democrats going to win Hawaii. She's a Democrat. She's a huge national name. If she ran for Senate in Hawaii as a Democrat, the Republican is not going to win regardless. I'd love to see her in there because she she could actually provide some common sense votes uh, on the other side in the upper chamber. Would like to see that. Anyway, lots to do. Lots that we just talked about. And by the way, if you missed the first hour, you can always rewind if you have the Odyssey app, if you're listening on your phone or your computer. That's a nice, easy way to rewind. Uh, But you can also download the podcast. We'll have that up here shortly. And the end of the show is 8 o'clock. So that means that the podcast will be up by just after that. Stick around. More to come on Wiggins America. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there's been a lot of data coming out on the Pfizer vaccine, and I I feel like if you're listening to this program, you've been a little bit ahead of the curve on that. We had a guy named Aaron Siri on uh, probably two weeks ago, and he is suing the FDA to get all of this information on the Pfizer vaccine. Just to summarize over the last few weeks, what we've seen is that the FDA has said they don't want to release any information on the specifically the Pfizer vaccine until the year 2076 which made a few headlines and it kind of went away quickly because nobody knew what to do with it other than just say what in the world are you talking about so we had him on he's actually suing the fda on behalf of a civil rights um practice that he's in and um practice is that what lawyers call their their office, a practice. I don't even know. I feel like that's off, but I, maybe I'm right. Um, anyway, he is the head of his practice and they're suing the FDA. So I, I we had him on. You, if you heard the interview, he explained why this is such a problem. And he said, and my question to him was, well, why are, why are you having to sue the FDA for this information? It seems to me like this would be a company, like if, if it's Pfizer trying to protect the information, it's gross, it's wrong, it's bad, but that's what companies do. They're, they're trying to limit their own liability. And yes, again, I don't want to see that happen, but I could understand why Pfizer would want to limit that. Why would the FDA want to limit what Pfizer's putting out? And the answer is, he's, he said, we, we don't know. That's why we're suing them. Uh, and my, <laughs> my assumption is, it's because... The FDA in particular is so in bed with Pfizer. I mean, these people, you, you see, they people at the top levels of each of them used to work for each other. So, you know, the, you had people at the top levels of Pfizer that used to be at the CDC and vice versa. So they're all, 
buddies and they're all, they're all yacht buddies and we're the ones who have to pay the price for that. So he's suing them. And so I bring that up because the news is the FDA has put some information out on the Pfizer vaccine. I'm trying to verify this data. I've seen it all over Twitter, but I'm, I don't want to report on it as fact until I know for sure. It very well may be fact. And I did ask Aaron, hey, what's this? Why, are, why is this already coming out? Because the lawsuit is not set to, or the, uh, the court date isn't until December 14th. He said he thinks they're, they're starting to leak stuff on purpose. So he, you know, he confirmed that they did leak stuff. I just want to make sure that what I'm seeing is what they leaked and isn't made up. Um, but it's pretty damning. It's not good for Pfizer. And so if all of the data, this was just the first batch. If all the data it does, you know, is mandatory that the court rules that it has to come out, uh, we'll definitely be reporting on that. We're going to have Aaron back on to give us, the scoop on the lawsuit, and then maybe he can even break down some of what comes out afterwards. Uh, but we'll be following that very, very closely. So stay tuned to Wiggins America. We'll keep you ahead of the curve on those things. But first, there is unseen by most an underworld, a place that is just as real but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Yeah, this is a tale from the dark side. Keep Speaking of keeping you ahead of the curve on things, if you've listened to the show, you know that we've been following this uh, Wisconsin Elections Commission criminal investigation that's happening, specific to Racine, Wisconsin. And the sheriff there has said that the Wisconsin Election Commission has in 2020 leading up to the 2020 election flagrantly broken the law and used COVID to do it and knew they were doing it and uh, five of the six I think it's either five or the six or four of the five people on that commission are under criminal investigation now for breaking the rules in the way that people vote in nursing homes they say that they they wouldn't allow these special election deputies to come in and monitor people in nursing homes voting. Well, that's illegal. It's, it's, it's very much against the law. And the Wisconsin Election Commission apparently violated that on purpose across the whole state. So we're talking about quite a few votes. We're talking about, you know, 50,000, 100,000 votes. We don't know how they go. You, you don't want to grab that number and go, oh, well, that's how many went for Trump then or, or Biden or whatever. So because we don't know. But those votes had no essentially witnesses to them so that's illegal so there's a criminal investigation going on now into why the wisconsin election committee did that so here's the update and why this is a tale from the dark side the um guy who's in charge of looking into this is a former wisconsin supreme court justice and he is not being pushed around he's uh his name is michael gableman he has said that there's a cover-up happening because he's asking for information, maybe even subpoenaing. He is, yeah. I saw the word. Subpoenaing information from the mayors of Green Bay and Madison, Wisconsin. And they are saying no. And he is saying now that this isn't just them fighting it politically. He's saying that there's a cover-up happening. We'll see. I, I, I'm telling you, <clears throat> nobody's covering this. I've been covering it since the beginning because I said this is a significant one. This isn't internet rumors, okay? This is a real 
problem in a very close state, I don't think it's going to get overturned. But it's a huge problem, and it's the kind of stuff that you can sink your teeth into because there's a, cha- there's a chain of custody. They have all the emails from the Wisconsin Election Commission, and now this guy, this former Supreme Court Justice of Wisconsin, is no holds barred. I mean, he is the special counsel looking into this stuff. He's not intimidated, and it's, getting, it's escalating. The former lieutenant governor of the state has sued. I mean, it's a big deal, but you're not hearing that anywhere except here. So there you go. We'll keep watching it. It's getting to be a bigger story. It's starting to break through. But you heard it here first, and you'll get the updates. Wiggins, America. News with an audience. Here is the other thing I wanted to get to, kind of a round-robin popcorn segment here. Um, we're going to have a fun one coming up. This has been a heavy show, so stick around. we got a couple things that are a little more light and fun to talk about next, specific to Fleetwood Mac. I don't know if that's a good tease or a bad tease, but it's a tease. So I've been looking into the Senate and what is the likelihood of the GOP taking back the Senate next year? The likelihood is, I would say, fairly good just because of the political environment. The map itself is bad. So here's what's kind of cool about that, though, that in a what would be a bad year for the GOP, it actually will end up being either an average to good year because the environment is so good for Republicans right now. Polling-wise, Republicans are so far ahead at this point of where they usually are going into a midterm year that we're talking about you could see historic gains in the House especially. So the House really isn't even a question. Republicans are going to take back the House. Some people will get mad at me for saying that because they say, well, don't assume anything. That makes people not go vote. I don't care. I mean, I want you to vote, but I also am just telling you what's going on. You don't have to vote in every election. You you know, you have one house election you're going to vote in. We're we're in the St. Louis area. There's several precincts around here, several uh, house districts, but we're not going to affect elections in Pennsylvania or whatever. So anyway, the house is almost certainly going to go red next year. So it's about limiting the damage between now and then, of course, with especially spending, because that's where they actually can get some things done with this narrow majority they have in the Senate. Democrats do. But the Senate itself is going to be important because if Republicans take back the House, then Democrats, then Biden or whoever's president by then, uh, Harris or whoever, is going to focus on the Senate and focus on things they can get through the Senate like judges. So far, they have not actually focused on judges. I'm working on a piece about that. You haven't really heard that, have you? You know, Trump pushed through a historic number of judges in four years with the help of Mitch McConnell. So give him credit on that. But Biden hasn't. And he's got the Senate. They could feasibly do that, but they just haven't focused on it. They pushed through a few, but way, way low for what they could be doing. So if, they, if Republicans don't take back the Senate, that's what they'll focus on. So we don't want that to happen. As a conservative, I don't want that to happen. So I'm looking at the map. Republicans need to take back Georgia, Arizona, and then hold North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. If they could add Nevada or New Hampshire to that list, that would be great. But let's go kind of right down the middle there. Let's say they don't lose Ohio, Florida, some of those states, Missouri. Let's say they don't lose those. 
we're looking at Republicans probably having something like a 52 to 48 seat majority. So that's good. That's that's not really get things done good. But when you don't have the presidency, it doesn't really matter. So I'm looking past that, past this coming year, and saying, let's say we got 52 seats, 53. <clears throat> In a perfect world, you could maybe have four or five. That would be pretty amazing. But, you know, let's let's assume that doesn't happen. Because, like I said, the map's not great for Republicans in the coming year. Could they take an Illinois seat? You know, Kirk did it. Whatever his name was, Adam Kirk. Not Adam Kirk. Eric Kirk. Whoever it was, he was the very moderate senator from Illinois who was a Republican for six years. It happens every now and then. It could happen. So anyway, point being that looking past 2022 to 2024 is when it will really matter because Senate seats last six years as opposed to two years in the House. So if you can get a a few extra in the coming year that will last through the first term of a possible Republican president, let's say it's Trump again in 2024, he would have four years of almost a, a majority at least But in a perfect circumstance, let's say 2022 and 24 are both really good for Republicans. That's very possible. I'm looking at the map right now. You've got more seats coming up in Nevada, Arizona, and Virginia. Those are seats, and and, uh, New Hampshire. Those are seats that could, in a Republican like wave year, be won, uh, especially Arizona. But let's say that that doesn't happen. Let's let's just look at seats that really, really could and maybe should be won by Republicans in a good year like 2024. Let's say Arizona, Montana, definitely, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, definitely. West Virginia, if Manchin runs again, he probably has a good chance. But if he doesn't, or maybe even he could lose... Because that's a very, red, very, very red state that Manchin somehow has held on to. There's six. You had Pennsylvania to another swing state. There's seven. Right there. Without, you know, that's not a crazy circumstance. Because you still got a couple states. I didn't include Nevada. I don't think I said Minnesota or New Hampshire in there. You got some states in there to kind of play with in 2024 that you could have 60 seats. Just throwing that out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I am saying that it's possible, and it would be very, very close, okay? So I've said, I think even in this show I've said before, that I would really like to see Tulsi Gabbard run as a Democrat for Senate in Hawaii soon. And I think that would be 2024, if I'm not mistaken. That would be the next time that that could happen. I think she would unseat Maisie Hirono if that were to take place. Not that she would be part of the GOP caucus, but she could tip the balance a little bit on things that, you know, let's say they had 59 seats and they needed one. Well, she would be possible to grab on for one on certain issues. So just throwing that out there. I thought that was some sort of interesting thought, you know, experiment we could we could make. And, you know, it could happen. We'll see. It'll all depend on 2022 and how many seats GOP takes back then. Because if it's not many, then it's not going to happen. But let's say it's 52-53, then it could. More Wiggins America coming up next. Like I said, a Fleetwood Mac-based segment. I like that song more and more as I get older. I used to hate that song when I was a kid. I'm an 80s kid. So 
the rational part of my brain when I would hear that when I was in the car and stuff with my mom is I'd say, Mom, why would people want them to tell them lies? <laughs> right? It doesn't make sense. But now I understand as an adult what is going on in that song. It's the uh, coked out relationships between all the members of Fleetwood Mac at play in that song. It, it, I, it, it reminded me of today. It's been kind of a heavy show this morning, so sorry about that. But lots to discuss, of course. We've talked about China. We've talked about the abortion arguments. We've talked about the media and CNN being bought and sold. And we've talked about uh, everything in between. I'm trying to think of everything we've talked about. Vax mandates, what Democrats were saying last year versus what they're saying this year about the vaccines. Um, And that song just kind of reminded me of everything that we've been talking about this morning. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. A lot of people waking up to that fact, though, I think, in the COVID era, and that's good news. We've all understood for a long time that the media has an agenda, but... uh, more than ever, people are waking up to the fact that they do have an agenda and those things impact you. So instead of doing something really serious in this last break here as we're approaching 8 o'clock, I figured, why not look up some facts about Fleetwood Mac since Tell Me Lies has been stuck in my head. Um, so weird thing to do, I know, but uh, here we go. Some facts I found out are uh, that, first of all, the coked-out thing. Yeah, that's super true. They apparently were all on cocaine in the 70s. And what was this? I was looking at the, the relationships between them. Man, they were they, they were all sleeping with each other, and people were married to each other and cheating on other members of the band. One of them was uh, Christy McVie was cheating with somebody from the lighting crew. Apparently, that's not even the original makeup of the band, though. Everybody knows that Stevie Nicks and... And um, Lindsey Buckingham joined the band a little later and then made it into what is now Fleetwood Mac. But apparently there was some guy named Jeremy Spencer who was one of the original members of the band. And he left in 1971, right before they became a thing, you know. He left and joined a cult. (laughs) Man, he's got to be kicking himself because the Children of God cult I don't think turned into a, a lifelong thing think that was probably a momentary thing so anyway lots of this stuff there's so much here i can't even hardly get through it as i'm talking to you but apparently tusk didn't sell very well that album because it was a double album and they tried to sell it for 16 bucks which was way more than most albums at the time the album did well on the radio which really is how they make money now but back then the record did not sell well and so they thought oh this is a flop but it was just because it was too expensive anyway i bring that topic up because i just wanted to pose this random question to you are there any songs like that tell me lies by fleetwood mac that you hear and you go oh man that's such like a moment in time for you and specifically what it is for me, and here's kind of the question I'm asking, and you can contact me, let me know. You know, I'd love to hear if you if you feel like it or you just think about it or whatever. Songs by bands that were popular in the 60s and 70s that came back and did an 80s song. And I'm not talking about Journey, who was big in the 70s and 80s, or Queen, who were big in the 70s and 80s. I'm talking about a band that came out with big stuff in the 60s or 70s, and then came back and did a very distinctly 80s song. Because Fleetwood Mac was still popular across you know, both the 70s and the 80s. 
But you can tell when you play an 80s song, you're like, that is an 80s Fleetwood Mac song. And, you know, Landslide, that's a 70s Fleetwood Mac song. They're very different sounding because of basically synthesizers. And those songs, for some reason, I'm just enamored by them. So a couple of them that I've thought of, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts, were by Heart. I'll try to see if I can pull this up as I'm talking about it. Um, Heart, you know, had Barracuda and all these 70s songs, but then they did this one. You recognize this one yet? I'll let it play. The video is great, by the way. It's so 80s. White skin in linen, perfume on my wrist, and the full moon that hangs over these dreams in the best. These dreams go on when I close my eyes. All right, you get the picture. That's that's a super 80s sounding song as opposed to hard 70s stuff. I'm looking for another example. Another one I can think of off the top of my head, I don't see it here in my folder, is Yes. You know, they had some great stuff, Roundabout and all these songs in the 70s and 60s. And then they came out with Owner of a Lonely Heart with all the synth breakdowns and stuff. Like It's, it, it's weird how many bands came back and did just one song. Here's another one. Case in point. I'm going to see if I can pull this up. Tell me if you know who this is right off the bat. Oh, long intro. I'll let it play. I'll give you a hint. This band had lots of songs like um, Ride My Seesaw in the 60s. They were, for some reason, not loved by the media very much. The rock and roll media. Rolling Stone and all that. They also sang Nights in White Satin. Now you know, right? This is the Moody Blues. This is their 180s hit. recognize this song, right? Your Wildest Dreams is the name of that song. So there, there's lots of those. And so I'm just posing the question... Do you have any that aren't on my little list? Because I love, you know, making the lists and and keeping track of that kind of stuff. I'll probably even do another break about it if you want to come back next week. So that's uh, that's kind of the end of the show. (laughs) So hopefully you've uh, enjoyed it. Hopefully we're ending on a little bit lighter note after lots of discussion about important things. I'll tell you what, get the podcast if you uh, if you missed any of it. Last hour, the first hour was super serious. Lots of stuff. Like I said, we talked about China. We talked about the uh, abortion arguments. And if you want to know how 
I think, and, and, and really the consensus is of what's going to happen with the abortion arguments, get the podcast or rewind on the Odyssey app and listen to the first hour. Uh, summary is, it looks like at the moment it's going to end up pretty good. But we don't know. We probably won't even find out for about six months. So we'll see about that. But again, if you have any of those other songs or you missed this hour, the beginning of this hour, Dem- Democrats talking about vaccines in 2000 versus Democrats talking about vaccines now. Yeah, that's pretty entertaining. So again, pick up the podcast. It's at 971talk.com. My website is wigginsamerica.com. If you want to check that out for latest material and articles, I'm always posting stuff there. We're working on the format. It's going to look better soon, but it's still there if you want to check it out. My name is Ryan Wiggins. This is Wiggins America. Thanks for tuning in. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.